Hey Zwifters, I'm Simon Schofield and this is the Zwiftcast coming up on this episode. Zwift Big Cheese Steve Beckett on how the platform plans to hang on to all the new subscribers when the crisis ends. Eurosport's head of cycling on what he'd like to see in the game to make it more attractive to TV viewers. And Zwift makes more changes to meetups. They go private if you want. Zwifters are going to love that. Well, we're back after a little break for the Deadly Duo last week. The Sacred Trinity is restored. G'day, Shane. Hope you're in boost mode for this episode, mate. Oh, look, I was a bit worried about last week. I almost had to line up there in the uh, the unemployment queue with Nathan and I on the chopping block, but uh, it's good to be back. <laughs> uh, more boost mood later. In fact, you know what, Nathan, Gareth, about the only way I might stand a chance of riding with you is if you had 10 extra kilos piled on. Actually, maybe not even then. How are you doing, fella? I'm doing pretty good. A uh, little tired. little tired. I think this is the first time I like fell asleep right before Zwiftcast and like almost didn't make it. I think it's because of too much boost mode. <laughs> That's actually a, a, the reason why, I believe. Well, you are both streaming and training super hard at the moment, so uh, you need to be getting your rest. I'm worried about you, Nathan. You're not burning the candle at both ends over there in Wisconsin, are you? No, I mean, I actually am, have gotten on a pretty good schedule recently. I'm getting plenty of sleep. It, it might not look like it's uh, people watching from the outside, but, but Nathan <laughs> finds the time. I find the time. Okay, well, we've got a busy episode to come and lots and lots and lots to talk about. But let's start with a quick blast from a fella who we're going to be hearing from a few times during this episode. Steve Beckett is Chief Marketing Officer for Zwift. He's been leading the charge on the tour for all. But I started off with some more general stuff, asking Steve about how Zwift has responded during the crisis. Steve, um, let's talk crisis because, you know, it's all everybody talks about. An odd word to use given the circumstances, but it kind of ripped through Zwift in, in obviously a positive way, not to put too fine a point on it. This has been good for Zwift. We're just very fortunate to be an at-home fitness brand and our category is probably doing very well. But two months further on, we've got over that survivor's guilt and we're feeling very positive about the role we're playing, you know, promoting uh, home fitness, building community, having fun, connecting people back with sport when there isn't any sport going on at the moment. Uh, we, we should feel great about that. And also, I think pro- just providing amazing value to our, our customers because we're doing things on the platform experience-wise that we would never have thought would have been imaginable, to be honest. And, and I've been part of those and, and it has been a special place. But early doors when this hit, Steve, you guys must have sat down and thought, mm, we're going to have to concentrate on two or three things here and make sure we get those right. What were they? Uh, yeah, well, I guess it goes back to experiences over new product. So your bottom line is you've got more people at home needs to do more stuff on Zwift. And, and they're also being especially mindful of new Zwifters. So I think we were quite fortunate that a lot of this was going on during the tour of Utopia. Uh, so it made those group experiences better. It enabled us to sprinkle on this magic dust of, you know, riding and running with some of the world's best athletes. And, you know, that direct interaction with the Zwift community was great. And it, and it also gave them a really good um, onboarding to Zwift. A lot of these pro athletes, uh, you know, weren't on Zwift, might have used it a little bit. And they really got to grips with Zwift sooner, just like newbie Zwifters, you know. And uh, no, probably no better example of that than 
Team Ineos. I never imagined we'd have a Team Ineos race day on Zwift included in the whole team. And yeah, it's an amazing endorsement for our platform. One thing I noticed as a very close observer of the platform is that in these crisis times, Zwift was a good deal more nimble than it has been in the past. And I mean things like when problems emerged, largely due to this massive flood of new users and like one event was too popular, there were too many people in it, you acted very swiftly forgive the pun, to um, to change things. And that's not something that Zwift has always done. I mean, was, was that, obviously that was that was conscious. You were keeping an eye on things really closely and thought, hmm, that looks broken, we really need to fix it. Yeah, well, I guess, you know, you, you guys have tried to keep as honest as possible in that respect. I credit to you guys for, for, for pushing that. I think we've made some changes to the org at Zwift. We were quite complicated before, necessarily complicated. And bottom line is we're a product and marketing company and the, and the product and marketing teams are working much better now, which means that we're able to act as you say, more nimbly based on the feedback of of the community. We know should happen being everyday Zwifters ourselves. So, you know, I think uh, opening up greater world choice is just, a, you know, a good example of that. And uh, the changes that we've, or the improvements we've made to meetups, because the bottom line is the percentage of people on Zwift, including newbie Zwifters who take part in social events, uh, grew dramatically. The three of us are, are are not backward in coming forward when we see something we don't like, but the, it's been very noticeable that changes have been made quickly. I mean, particularly to meetups. Only recently, the companion was updated to hide other Swifters in, a, you know, in a, effectively a private meetup, which people have been asking for for ages. And suddenly, we've got these things. On the flip side, Steve, has there been one thing that you would really like to have done that for whatever reason you've not been able to do during this this crisis period? Release a new product when you've got a bigger volume of people on the platform, a much larger percentage of, of uh, newbies Zwifters means that new product is riskier to deploy. And uh, I don't think it's any secret over the winter we've been developing a new uh, UI for Swift and uh, and, you know, that's in relation to the feedback, including from you, that, that you know, it could be more sophisticated. And that's that's something that we wouldn't deploy um, over March, considering what happened this year and over subsequent months, given the, the, the just tremendous volumes on the platform. The other way you can look at it is, what would we still want to improve? And, and I still think we're kind of missing the mark on bringing to life mass participation events on Zwift. The platform's very stable. You could argue that when, when you're part of a 5,000 person event and you're all in the same paddock, uh, Zwifters are 100 in front of you, 100 behind you. And when you're all going out, everyone's crashing into each other. And, and, it's, and uh, there's no doubt that that could be much, much better. But I think um, given the tremendous volume of events on the platform and the increased participation, it's only making that more front of mind. And I, for one, am completely hell-bent on trying to coerce the business to to create a better mass participation event experience on Zwift. And, and of course, that has been writ large because these things have been so popular over the crisis period. Um, final question for this section of the interview, Steve. I'm going to split this up into three because there's, there's a lot to talk about. Do you think the new Zwifters are going to stick around? I mean, do you think that this crisis will have will leave a lasting effect on Zwift? Yeah, many will stick around, many will leave. It's really a case of, when you know, do they come back in the winter? About 30% of people on Zwift, we think, have uh, temporary setups at home. So it's sometimes quite intrusive on your kitchen or your, your spare room, for that matter. 
So I think the, the the key thing is for them to come back this winter is we've very much had, you know, pardon the expression, a captive audience over the last few months. And those people, just like yourself, you know, you've been locked up in Girona, you, you want to get outdoors. And uh, I think if you look more broadly, the product proposition of Zwift needs to be defendable so people don't go out. So if you've got a more gamified experience, you're not doing something, you're not trying to substitute anything in the real world because you can't do it in the real world. So, uh, and the second thing is how you create a more holistic training experience in Zwift. So, you know, why shouldn't your Garmin or Wahoo computer talk to Zwift and that factor in what your training is on Zwift because, you know, more often than not, you're training for something in the outside world. So I think this is um, helps really sharpen our focus on, um, you know, what happens when that, when that big iceberg detaches and, and, you know, leaves for the outside world. Perhaps the question should have been not will they stick, but will they? Will at least some of them come back next winter? And it'd be interesting to see if they do. Just for now, Steve, we are going to come back to you. Just for now, thanks, thanks for that, uh, answering those questions for us. I'll be back to you later in the episode. Thank you, Simon. Okay, boys. Well, um, Steve used a very colourful phrase then, a very, a very effective phrase, I thought. When the iceberg detaches, um, in other words, you know, when all these newswifters who've piled onto the platform inevitably go outside uh, and they recognise that they've got to do some stuff to maybe not keep those people on the platform, but certainly get them back in winter. And the two things he mentioned, I mean, it, it, it was almost as if they could have been invented for you two, to be honest, because, you know, they plan to kind of get these all these news to come back by, A, making the game more gamified, hello, Nathan Guerra, and B, by massively improving the training experience, hello, Shane Miller. So um, I'll come to you first, Nathan. Uh, I mean, as a strategy, that looks as though it's got some legs. Yeah, I definitely am all about the more gamification. And I mean, I I mean, okay, I don't know if we're speaking of boost mode already, but I am like addicted to Zwift again. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Like I, I definitely um, think that the more interactivity and like the new features and things like that are going to really pull, uh, I, I think, people in, feel served and feel like there's something for them to do uh, that uh, – yeah, yeah, that whole idea of like I really like the the statement he made about giving them something they can't go out there and find in real life. Yeah, like they're not trying to replace yeah. something yeah. that they're doing in real life and get through it. No, I want to come in here because I can only find this here. Um, you can't really you can't get that com- same um, strategic competitive thing that I experienced today in the first boost race test. That was like whoa. There's this is I'm playing a video game now. Like I'm trying to so anyways, it was pretty it was pretty dang cool. So I'm really excited to see that. Yeah, well sa- save save the boost chat because we're 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 gonna have a we're gonna have a special little segment on the boost chat later on in the episode. But it really interesting to me that they've now seemed to identified a, a kind of category of cyclists who would never go outside, actually, and are looking for Zwift to provide the gamey stuff that's gonna keep them engaged. Shane he didn't go into much detail, but there was that thing about why shouldn't, you know, I think what he meant was get the data from your Wahoo or Garmin head unit and get that to talk to Zwift and get Zwift to understand what condition you're in and get Zwift to suggest how to either keep or maintain or improve that conditioning. In other words, 
you know, a lot of work sounds like it's going to be done to improve the the workout and the training experience. Yeah, look, uh, integration of the current technologies we use uh, as a whole approach to to fitness, uh, that would be brilliant. We've got power meters that do left-right balance that tell us pedal smoothness and torque effectiveness and a ton of other metrics. Um, we have the head units we use outside. If you can bring that experience into one whole training system and maybe even gamify that, but uh, how would you put it? Put the metrics towards uh, unlocking things in-game. Now, Eric Min said a while back, yeah, why can't a ride outdoors be rewarded indoors in Zwift? Just to keep things associated there because at the end of the day indoor cycle training was built around getting faster indoors or you know, training up indoors to be faster outdoors that's still the case for a lot of us so i think there's and that's the one missing component with swift you ride on swift you clock up your kilometers on swift yeah i think there needs to be more integration there so i'm happy to hear the talk around that even if it's just talk at the moment because talk today is action tomorrow and uh, maybe integration the next day we'll see yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think we're going to see any of this stuff much before next winter, to be honest. But, 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 but to me, very encouraging that you know, there's definitely a plan to 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 do stuff. A lot of stuff that we've been talking about for a long time on the Swiftcast, it must be said. But to do stuff that's going to pull back the iceberg to the mothership. Interesting stuff. Okay, well, two fairly substantial updates since we last spoke. One to the main game, and one to the companion app. The main game update was a fraction buggy on first release, but uh, kudos to Zwift. That was patched very quickly. Let's talk about probably the most exciting and maybe even far-reaching shiny new thing, and that's without a doubt private meetups. Uh, and just before we launch into that, we must applaud Zwift for the timely release notes we now get for updates. They really are very, very welcome. But Shane, the private meetup, I mean, it means you and 99 of your closest buddies can ride together hidden from all other Zwifters. Let's put the cliche machine into boost mode. Uh, that really is a game changer. Oh, I wouldn't call it a game changer. I'd call it a very nice stopgap while we wait for clubs to roll out. <laughs> but look, to be honest, though, and what you've mentioned there is the rate of development of meetups, which has seen quite a few updates in the last few weeks. This might just be the answer for all the user-led events or the user-generated events um, if they can just add a few more features to it. So all that's really missing there is a result sheet. And we have our own ability to create our own races at any time. I, I like the rate of development here. It's it's really good to see. It's just just a little bit more polish. We're, we're never happy, you know that. But um, I do like it though. Yeah, well, the, I mean, the private meetup thing. I just you know, particularly for this time, for for groups and clubs and 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 bunches of mates looking to get Zwift to work in the way that they want it to work and the way intuitively you thought you really think it ought to work that they haven't they've, they've nailed that with with private meetups i think yeah but just one thing on that as well you're not hidden from the rest of the world the rest of the world is hidden from you and your meetup buddies yeah. i believe the rest of the world can see you and the chat still isn't private i think you still have global chat so just yeah. a few little things which could be changed in the next update no worries but i tell you what i did one little short race with my wife veronica we did a 500 meter meetup now just thinking about that, you could actually do sprint races if you had a result sheet at the end. Imagine having 100 people there on, this, on the start line of a 500-meter race. It would be all out, and you'd be fighting so hard to get to that finish line, but you do need the result sheet there. Um, that was an amazing experience. We came past. Uh, the segment I, I targeted for that was Very Intense, our favorite segment here on the Zwiftcast. Um, <laughs> so it's a downhill run, and everybody disappeared. It was just Veronica and I racing head-to-head -head for that finish line. It was brilliant. And then as soon as we passed the finish line, bang, we were back in the main world with everyone else. We could continue our ride and be social and things like that. So it was a really interesting experience having nobody there. 
I mean, Nathan, as as things stand, and and as I think probably is already happening, and as Shane said, is already happening actually in in his world at least, is is you can organise a race in private meetups. Obviously, there is no result results which which you know would make a difference. But there'll be workarounds for the for the savvy on this, won't there, by using Zwift Power and stuff like that. Well, Zwift Power attracts events. So if you go to Zwift Power, the only thing that you do see is events. Um, right. But okay. Um, so we but we have done a volley um, series on Zwift. If, I mean, you can go check it out on their website. They uh, partnered with a couple of clubs, so a pretty cool little thing that went down. Um, the Miduele and Vivid Cycling, two clubs, different states, and they were using meetups in order to hang out with each other. Uh, at least their their club leaders were, and they were kind of having these battles, and they started inviting other people, and they were like, hey, let's do a series. They got a couple of their sponsors on board. Volet really took mm-hmm. took the, the reins on helping them organize it, and then, bam, we had a Volet Tuesday night racing series with meetups. And what they did is they organized everything either around leaderboards, like the KOMs or the fastest time up right. something or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And with that, they were able to track – I mean, it was it was a lot of hodgepodge and a lot of putting things together, and sometimes some stuff was missed. But they definitely made some games out of it that you couldn't usually do uh, with the meetup feature and being able to pick who showed up. The ingenuity of Swifters never ceases to amaze me, actually. And, and this is this is a peek; it's a preview of of, of what club functionality is going to bring us. And Steve is going to talk about that in uh, in another chunk that we're going to ha- be having from him shortly. Uh, Shane, all we need now, mate, is a shareable link for a meetup, and we would truly be in the sunlit uplands of Zwift Utopia. Yeah, that's all we need. So be able to send out a shareable link to our club or our friends, or maybe even for just a tweet out for Nathan or yourself or myself. Mm. We can just tweet out to our, our people and uh, the first 100 or so jump on board. And if that's popular, I'm sure they'll push that to 150 or maybe 200. Maybe they'll give us to the start pens. Um, there's a lot that could be done with this. It, it might be the de facto clubs that we haven't seen yet. Shareable link, Wes, if you're listening. Okay, uh, let's move on. The Tour for All is in full swing. Um, there's much more on that later. But first, uh, here's some interesting thoughts from Eurosport's head of cycling. Now, quite a powerful figure in the industry. Guy Voisin looks after cycling both for Eurosport and GCN, both of which are owned by the giant American media company, Discovery. It looks to me as though this is a really big commitment from Eurosport. So does that mean you see a real future in the coverage of virtual cycling? It's getting to a place, especially with the Zwift platform, that 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 it's exciting to watch. If we're going to start comparing it to, to live racing, the, the racing we see out on the road, it, it's not there yet. We want to see where it's going to go and we want to kind of to grow with it. So our collaboration with Zwift is, is a nice, comfortable one. What, what do you see as the main challenges to coverage, Guy? I mean, how do you make this maybe not as interesting, but, you know, nearly as interesting to, to fans who are like me and, and millions of people around the world who are deprived of real racing? The, the, the Zwift gameplay aspects of, you know, the power-ups and such are are going to give it a different feel and vibe. Now, it'll never be like road racing, which is that chess game we constantly see. I'm 100% confident that that Zwift and other people, engineers who are much better than myself, are researching ways to make it more realistic. Can we get steering in there? Will there be a possibility of crashing like you would, you know, in F1 racing or something like that? You need those uncertainties, those little unpredictable moments that, that will give that excitement to the race, you know? So right now, I mean, you can literally 
go straight through the rider in front of you without ever considering hitting him or, or, or bumping elbows or anything. You know, I think we need a little more of that uncertainty. And, and will the game suddenly have crosswinds that, you know, blow through us and, and slow us down? Or, you know, you, you want a little more of the, the, the real world in the digital world. You raise a really fascinating point here. I mean, these are the things that we in the Swifter community have wanted for, for a long time. But is there a world in which someone with the oomph uh, and the power of uh, a broadcaster backed by discovery could actually become a stakeholder in prompting those sort of developments. I mean, could you see you ever having a relationship with Swift where, where you were able to put pressure on to get these kind of things in the game? I don't know, you know, and um, and I think Swift and, and Discovery, Eurosport and, and GCN specifically, we're digging in and we're trying to see how we're going to work that collaboration out. It's still a young collaboration. I think it's an exciting one. I think the Zwift uh, team are very open and I know the, the GCN team having worked there for a long time are very, very open to, to developing and just, you know, everybody just wants to make, make it more exciting and just wants to bring another aspect that, you know, in those dark winter months or something like that, we can, we can bring some of that racing to the people who get goosebumps for watching racing like I do, you know? Given the game is where, where the game is right now, and it, it's unlikely that we're going to see like huge major developments over the next few days during this race series, you know, what are the unique unique elements that you can bring to, to the coverage that only Discovery and GCN can can lend? Let's just stick to the Eurosport GCN brand, right? It's 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 got the app and, and you know, we're, we're bringing in those live polls and those quizzes and, and, you know, you'll just see more of that development, more of that interactivity through the app, that second screen experience, the app's pushing that idea, you know, we really want to create a place for the community to come and find the racing, you know, and then backed with the powerhouse that is Eurosport as a broadcaster, I think that that matchup together is just, it's, it, it's a massive, you know, opportunity to bring racing like Zwift in this specifically in this COVID period to the air. The creativity of the GCN team, you, know, you got 256 massive cycling fan and fanatics and cyclists sitting in the Bath UK, putting together questionnaires, researching, trying to, to develop ideas, you know, to keep it exciting just on a participation level. Guy, what would your expectations of, of, of possible audience numbers be here? I mean, I, you know, I, I know you may want to keep some of this confidential, but I mean, would you have an expectation that these would be anywhere near on a par with, with real life racing? I, I No, I don't have that expectation. And to be honest with you, this is 100% test territory to us, you know? You know, confidentially aside, I just don't know yet. You know, I have no idea what they're going to be. Uh, I don't get to see them live. And I don't want to see them live. I want to concentrate on the production at hand, you know, making sure we're delivering what we've got to deliver first. I, I, I really hope they're good and, and I, I suspect they will be. Uh, and I think we're going to see the numbers go up throughout the week. Okay, Guy. Well, final question. Um, uh, were you happy with the broadcast? How many pages of notes are you going to sit down and write to your team after this interview? So anybody who, who, who from my team knows me is that I'm very rarely happy with a broadcast. <laughs> and I have lots and lots of notes. And, and thank God, because if I didn't have notes, it's because I didn't watch. Uh, yeah, no, lots of notes, lots of work to do. And, uh, you know, I'm sure that uh, I'll spend the next... Uh, well, the next five days 
working it out with uh, with Zwift, with uh, GCN and the team, and and with Eurosport. And thank God I have a team that's really really open to to comments and really really open to to all of what we have to get done, you know, and change and they accept last minute changes and that whole shebang. So, you know, I hope that we can light it up even better tomorrow and the day after and the day after and that we get to a place where we're really proud of it. Well, for sure, it will be very interesting watching the coverage on Friday uh, and, and watching the coverage evolve as it no doubt will during the week. Guy, thank you very much indeed for your time and the best of luck with the rest of the broadcast. Thank you, Simon. You have a great one. Well, Controversial stuff, the idea that broadcasters can influence a sport's rules and very nature to make it more appealing as content, but not entirely unknown. Shane, I'm just a touch older than you, but you might remember, or your dad might remember, Kerry Packer, who kind of Mm -hmm. changed the face of cricket in Australia to make it acceptable and appealing to a broadcast audience. And it was interesting that Guy Voisin there highlighted his desire actually to see more real-world-style elements introduced to the game with a view to making the, the ultimate products more attractive to, to a television audience. What, what do you think? Yeah, I remember when the uh, One Day Internationals came in, that was a game-changer for the television, for Channel 9, I think it was, here in Australia. Yeah. But now yeah. 2020's come and taken over that. So anyway, mm. back onto cycling. Uh, look, it's interesting to hear a request for more realism in-game. At the very same time, we're discussing something that's been added this week that adds anything but realism to the game. Yeah. It has been a very interesting week on Zwift. We have uh, Lionel Sanders is over on YouTube banging on about power meters, accuracy, and validation. We have broadcasters echoing what we've said for years that needs to be in game. I think we're ahead of the curve, boys, but my question is, will it move the needle? Will it move the needle? Well, yeah, that is that is the question. I mean, the interesting thing, Nathan, as as Jane just said there, was was Guy not only singled out power ups as a distinguishing characteristic of Zwift racing, and uh, and as as we just hinted at and we will get to later in the podcast the, the whole boost mode thing the future surely is kind of a blend of ideas some imported from real life and others stemming from gaming like power-ups and and boost mode i hear a lot of assumptions about power-ups not being something like real life and and we've talked about this so many times and i'm just kind of like i feel like and sense that because it doesn't look like what it or, or feel like what it feels like in real life necessarily from the look of it. Okay. So when you watch it, but you're not experiencing yeah, yeah, yeah. it when I, ex- yeah. but when I experience things on the bike in real life, there's, there's just aspects that, that in order to get the crossover, you're going to need a gamified experience to do it. A, re- a representation of, uh, yeah. Of what's going on. Yeah. Feedback. You have to have a interactive feedback representation of what would be happening in real life. And so without that, it feels bland. It'll feel like nothing is happening. And so I think that there's this miscommunication about what it means to get gamified. It means to have a more real experience, actually. Well, I mean, arguably, you know, we could get very confused here, but the gamification in real life is the rider who sits behind the car, you know, coming back after a a flat. You know, I mean, you can see he's in the draft because he's sat two inches off the bumper. So, I mean, I think the really interesting thing there for Guy is, you know, I mean, let's not underestimate that the power of Eurosport and GCN and Discovery, you know, they're not messing about these people. And he made it absolutely clear that this was definitely an experiment for them. But I really, really think some very interesting things could come out 
if Swift listen to what the broadcasters say. I really do. Uh, so definitely want to keep an eye on. Okay, and let's go back to Steve Beckett, Chief Marketing Officer at Swift and an influential member of the leadership team. Uh, Steve and I had a conversation about some other things that have cropped up or become more pressing or important for Zwifters during the crisis. Uh, welcome back, Steve. Um, we talked in the first section, really, I, I suppose, about the immediate response that we've made to the crisis and how it handled it. Um, I think I gave you a bit of an easy ride in that section. This section's just going to be slightly more challenging questions. I, for one, and I know loads and loads and loads of people, have thoroughly enjoyed the pro-led group rides on Zwift, but only the good ones, Steve. I mean, they can be a mixed experience. Some are absolutely terrific. Uh, and I could name several I have done on previous episodes. You know, when they work, they're great. When they don't work, they're pretty awful and there can be a real bad atmosphere. What can be done to even out that experience, Stu? You've got a very good command of English. Um, you've got a very good command of Zwift. A lot of pro riders don't. They're new to Zwift and English is not their native language. Uh, but we try to do the, the best job we can in terms of providing these guys with a soft landing on Zwift. The Tour for All, which is up on at the, on at the moment, we might talk about that later. Each team's got a, a, hand, a handler at Zwift. And I mean, there's 19 WhatsApp groups, one for every team. Each team has one or two handlers at Zwift. And each team is given a, um, call it a Zwift 101 or Zwift for Dummies guide. There's a lot we more we can do, but we are we are providing tremendous focus on this area. But unfortunately, experience and 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 time therefore is the is often the mitigating factor. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I can understand that, and I think a lot of people would be really, really happy to hear that that, that kind of handholding and tutelage, if you like, is is going on. Another thing that's come up, I think, Steve, I mean, for those of us who've been hanging around Zwift riders for a long time, I mean, you know, we're seeing those questions that we used to see three, four, five years ago, you know, crop up with regular and sometimes slightly annoying frequency now. Has, has this kind of flood of newbies just focused any kind of thinking on some kind of centralised knowledge base? I mean, you know, there's loads of help out there if, if, if you want to know the basics about Swift, but there's still not that kind of one place to go, right, you know, this is what, what you know, these are the important things. I mean, almost a manual. I know manuals are deeply unfashionable these days, but is there any thinking going on around that? There is, and I'm glad you asked it, really, because um, there are a lot of people out there doing a job for us. So let's talk, you know, Zwift Insider is a classic example, and people at Zwift uh, often speak to uh, their friends or even their parents who go, you know, great job for Zwift Insider, very informative. Um, and, uh, you know, rather embarrassingly, our staff are often saying, well, actually, that's not Zwift, mom or dad. It's actually uh, it's, uh, it's a community website. A lot of the onboarding we're doing with Teams and the documentation there, you know, has led us to think, you know, should there be a downloadable PDF, which is a Zwift 101 guide? And, you know, we look back four or five years to you know, Titanium Geek and his Zwift manual, which uh, he produced, uh, uh, James Gill. And we still don't, we still don't have that in place. And you know, we made some, made some gains last year uh, with uh, how-to guides. Uh, but again, to, to um, don't want to inflate your ego too much, but we're, we're definitely looking at the Jeff from Overwatch example in terms of how we can educate more f regularly on uh, platforms are better suited towards it. So social media and audio video led type stuff, perhaps webinars. 
Uh, and I think you'll, you know, you'll have seen a lot of improvements just around basic stuff like um, game release notes, for instance. And uh, you know, Wes, Wes Salmon for one, uh, Swift uh, has made a you know tremendous effort there, and I think he's, those efforts are being appreciated uh, a lot by the community. Very much so. I, I completely concur with that. And very interesting to hear that you're thinking of something as deeply unfashionable and uh, simple and easy to understand as a PDF on how to get going, you know. Um, next thing, Steve, uh, and again, you know, I am on record as saying how much I've en- I have enjoyed many, many, many of the events and thousands and thousands of people will, will be in agreement with me. But some of the community group leaders have found themselves just a little frustrated by the kind of tsunami of events, because it means their long-established events that they've run on Swift forever and they've put their life and soul into and a good deal of time into, there's been pressure on them. And I think, you know, some of them have come to me and said, I can't get Swift to talk to me anymore. Now, everybody understands why that's gone on. But again, has the crisis focused on thinking on, you know, now might be a really good time to, to really streamline the events process. You know, how do I get a, 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 an official event on Zwift? There's got to be a better way of doing it than goes at, than happens at the moment or doesn't. In the first instance, it was the perception that big tours like the tour with Topia or tour of Zwift would ride roughshod over established community events. And I think we've got over that now but in terms of giving adequate heads up that these events are coming along that i think that's one thing the second thing is we made some org, org changes at swift recently which uh, led to a bottleneck uh, a moment in time when there was greater demand for, for 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 events on the platform and that's something we just need to ha- hold our hands up and apologize for you know really i think uh, but you know the the watchword here is just all about scalability and it, you know for us it comes down to club functionality and i think club functionality is again something we need to put our hands upon. We're, we're a bit late. We were aiming for last year for a, a, a beta. Club Jarvis, uh, you know, launched a couple of months ago, but we're still in the formative stages But um, of deploying club functionality. But the with COVID-19 being ever-present, it's only made that uh, more of a priority, for this, certainly for this summer, autumn and winter. And uh, I'd probably say it's our number one priority from a product point of view uh, because self-service tools... Uh, whether it's just about understanding how to get on Zwift and how to use Zwift, let alone how to get more out of Zwift, which is what Club Functionality is all there, for, to, you know, to to try and do, you know, is is just ever present in our thinking at the moment. Okay, um, another one, Steve, a perennial favourite, but it does keep cropping up, and and again, you know, cropped up perhaps with more topicality and, and relevance because of the crisis and where people found themselves. Now would have been a great time to introduce a family subscription. Yeah, and I think, um, I don't want to make excuses here. Well, I kind of am really, I guess, but, you know, f- family plan is something we, w- we, we wanted to uh, have approached on and around this, this, this time in the calendar. Right, so it was due. It was due about now, and then the crisis hit. I, I think if you asked us six months ago, we would have we would looked at it on or around now. But would it be a great time? Absolutely. Is it? Do we think? Does it sit well with us that uh, families? I've got multi, multiple subscriptions in the home. No, it doesn't. Yeah, having worked at a big telco on uh, and having 
having that's how subscriptions work in the entertainment industry. It, you know, it's quite a complicated back end solution, and it's something but we just got to own and get on with and deliver basically. Okay, I'm not going to ask you when. No, I don't. I don't think I'll be able to tell you when to at the moment. But you know, ask an honest question. Have you got an honest answer? Okay, uh, last one again for this section. We're go- we are going to talk about the tour for all uh, because I'm, you know I'm very keen to do that. But the last one for the for this section, Steve. Um, you know, obviously, us Zwift nerds and probably the Zwiftcast listeners are more interested in Zwift the company than the, perhaps the average Zwifter. How have you as a company coped with? the way the world's changed. I mean, presumably like everybody else, everyone's working from home. Has that, has that, does that carry the potential to affect any kind of long-term changes to the way Zwift itself works? Yeah, I, I think so. It's a great question. And um, Eric Minow, everybody knows our CEO, his, I think he's really reset his view on the world as far as remote working is concerned because, you know, he's... Um, always on the move, always traveling, always getting around the offices. And if he was in London more than two days, he probably thought, actually, I need to get on the road. And uh, he, he, for one, you know, like everyone else has been working, working from home and he's reset his, his, whole, his whole point of view on this, I believe. In a company where you're working across multiple time zones, it, working from home is very beneficial. There are teams, for instance, the creative teams, QA teams, who really need to be more, to, more together. But I think uh, we're, we're really well prepared, ready and willing to work from home more uh, now because of present circumstances. But hopefully, you know, soon when the world uh, world returns to normal. OK. Uh, and again, for this section, Steve, thanks very much for now. We're going to come back to you and talk about the tour for all before the end of the episode. Okay, dokie. Well, hallelujah for pro riders WhatsApp groups and a little 101 for... <laughs> for pro riders joining the platform. Uh, I was so pleased to hear that, Shane. You know, there's a handler for the pro teams on Tour for All. They get told what to do. And maybe if they don't do it now, it's just because sometimes pro riders might not listen or might not <laughs> might not do exactly as they're told. And, you know, at least Swift have got clean hands here. They're doing everything they possibly can to get pro riders to be good boys and girls. Yeah, it's always been a bit of a lottery, uh, getting a pro rider into lead a ride that they've never done before. Zwift takes a certain mm-hmm. amount of skill just to ride with the bunch. And we have seen a few reports and a few colourful reports of um, group rides in the past <laughs> being led by pros, and the pros have just disappeared up the road. So, yeah, I've always said they need an onboarding process, and that can be a little difficult to get your head around exactly how it all works, but it uh, looks like they're heading in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, they've definitely taken action there. I mean, they might have been doing this before. Who knows? They, they've not told us. But for, for sure, they've told us now, and it, that's really, really welcome. Nathan, kudos, mate. The Jeff from Overwatch thing is pretty much definitely happening, according to Steve. Uh, I mean, when would be possibly a good response to that? But a huge acceptance from Steve that they absolutely have to talk to the community more and now they're just finding a way of doing it. Yeah, well, and it's, it is, we see a ton of response already with how much more, you know, communication is going on. And I think there, it's only going to get better then. You know, it's only yeah. going to get better and better when the community feels like there's a lot of, at least, I don't want to use the word transparency, but like just, I guess, I guess that's the best word about what's going on. <laughs> what am I, what yeah, am yeah. I interacting with and why, and how are things happening? You know, you just kind of need to know uh, about what, what's coming, why it's coming and, and what the thoughts are behind it when, um, 
I don't know, you know, there's a little bit of talk about the UI, you know, as well. And when, when things aren't really clear about what I'm interacting with, how, why, and where I go and all that, when there's a little bit more, at least um, of an envelope and a letter saying, Hey, community that we, you live in, you live in our space that we have created. This is what we're doing in it. And it's kind of, I mean, it's almost like you need like a, a government interaction in some sort of way in the community that you live in, like here waterworks is going down or we made an upgrade to the waterworks yeah. or whatever <laughs> yeah, it is. And why yeah, is it all yeah. of a sudden that the heat got turned off or who knows, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. so it's, um, they, 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 you know, that for sure they recognize that. And I do think that, you know, the last couple of months has been a turning point in, in, in their strategy for talking to the community. I really, I really do believe that. The other big headline, I think, from that clip, um, and, and we've, we've kind of touched on this and pretty much done it, actually, this episode, Shane, but club functionality is late but is now in much, much sharper focus. Steve used the phrase a couple of times, self-service tools. Yeah, absolutely, self-service. And that, that's what I was referring to earlier on there regarding the uh, the meetups and the little tiny bits of functionality that just keep getting added to uh, more and more to meetups to give them uh, or to give people the access to make their own races, own rides and everything before uh, clubs even comes along. So I think this is sort of like, remember the information superhighway? They were talking about this big network that was going to take over the world. It's going to be information superhighway. It was the internet. It was always around. I see these meetups becoming kind of that of clubs. Clubs might just be left in the dust if meetups just keep uh, keeps being developed the way it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it's good to see development yeah. on any, any case during this time as well when people are working from home to get things rolled out. Yeah, kudos to these guys. Mm-hmm. Completely agree. Okay, well, we can put it off no longer. We're going to have to have the discussion on boost mode. Ah, goodness me, I am so conflicted on this. I mean, I think the first and most important thing I should say is I've not had time to try it yet. Uh, we got released from lockdown on a limited basis this week, so I have been heading for the hills of Catalonia in uh, in the outside world, and I have to tell you, it was a very, very, very good feeling. But um, but we do need to discuss that, and at least Nathan, amongst our number, has has done it. Uh, but we we also need to bear in mind that most people haven't tried it because they can't. It's only in Club Jarvis, and even then, only in limited events. That said, I was actually pretty surprised to see that kind of negativity around it when when news of it launched. I mean, there was a lot of. Uh, Loud mouths on Facebook saying, you know, why are you doing this? There's many, many other things we ought to be doing as if, you know, everybody at Swift only ever works on one thing at one time. Lots of negativity, which I was very, very surprised about. But I guess that Nathan, having tried it and having read Eric Schlange's account of trying it, you are going to be pretty much the opposite of Mr. Negative. Oh, yeah. I mean, I saw the comments and I wasn't surprised by the comments. Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know why I wasn't surprised, actually. I just was like, well, yeah, that's what they do. Like, I was kind of like, that's just kind of what. And also that there are some, I think it's because of the low hanging fruit thing that they feel like are around a few of the other things, though, that they really want changed in some sort of way. And so those were brought up kind of as sore spots and like, well, why this over here? But um, yeah. but I, I try, I tried it and I almost did it, did, did the second one to be like, well, I want to go try and figure out because I didn't feel like I didn't, I felt like I could have broke away with the, if I would have done it differently and wow, this All has right. really changed the game and I can figure out a way to get gain an advantage now. And so it got really addictive pretty quick. 
yesterday's was on Crit City, and so that took a very specific type of boost mode, which there's three different modes, right? You have one that you can charge for a longer period of time with a small penalty of 50 watts, uh, and then you get a longer 90 watt consistently for a longer time, like up to a minute, I think, or something like that. And then the one that I chose is called Balance, and uh, Balance is a negative 100 watt charge for i think it was seven seconds or something like that or 10 seconds and then i get 17 seconds of total boost out of that and the constant weight penalty as well that is like 16 pounds or something at efficient mode it was it was so much fun it was so much fun let, let me because i've not used it and you have is the weight penalty not just like a huge disincentive? I mean, that would that would you know, I'm on the heavier side anyway. I would really worry about carrying a big, big heavy weight penalty around an entire course. When I got into the pens, there was no opportunity to not have some sort of boost. Right. Okay. okay. So everyone okay. is picking some sort of weight penalty. Okay. 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 So in a boost mode event, everyone's got a weight penalty. So to an extent. The, the playing field is is leveled for, for the for the field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. I get that. Yeah, yeah no, I see that now. I see that now. But uh, you know, it, the headline was you really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I absolutely uh, want more. I want to go back for more. It feels like the same way when I'm like climbing ladder in a competitive video game, and I'm like trying to figure out in some of my free time how am I going to be like show up with my best any game at right. my next at my next competition kind yeah. of a thing so yeah it was uh and, and figure out new tactics to it it was you know now i want to try efficient mode or what what am i going to use on the jungle loop and how can i use it better so that i can just dominate <laughs> what I'm th i want to be able to break away with whatever i choose and how am i going to do that well and also like i was trying to think about how with the efficient one, it's, it's it's timed in a certain way in that on that boost mode. I don't get in the weeds a little bit here. That maybe I might be able to charge boost, charge boost on an on off that becomes almost an over under that I could just maybe walk away from right, the pack right, with yeah. if I timed yeah. it all right, yeah. you know, on yeah. the right course. So yeah. it it got pretty cool in those respects. Well, Eric Schlange was saying he was trying to charge up on downhills, which obviously made a lot of sense. Shane, I I, I think boost mode. I do think it's just like I'm sorry to sound like picky and critical here but it's just a weird choice of name to me i just think e-bike mode would make it like so much easier for people to understand but anyway uh, let's just say it does get released into the swift wild it looks really intriguing actually if if i'm honest having not tried it i must make that clear it does look intriguing yeah i'll back up just a little bit and uh give my take from from the very start and i, I think the advice would be never release something when there's a when there's a crisis <laughs> and the latest update broke mm. a lot of things so i think a lot of the people online were like my ant plus doesn't work anymore my bluetooth is broken what the hell have you done boost mode what can you fix yeah. my core product there were issues with the core product with the latest updates they subsequently were patched but that's the uh, a seed for a lot of angst in regard to this, even though it was misdirected, but anyhow. But look, if you asked everybody to come up with a list of, say, 50 things they wanted to see on Zwift, I don't think e-bike or boost would have been on that list. I'd 
be surprised if it was on the top 100 list. I've never seen anybody ask. I've had 32 million views on YouTube. I had thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of comments. I don't think anybody has said, I'd really like a boost option on Zwift. I do know that people have asked for more gamification, but I'm intrigued that boost mode was a result. And with such a complex set of rules around it, I just listening to you guys sort of discuss pounds or kilos or watts or this, does it, and then it doesn't add to my fit file um, data. It does. Da- it's quite an interesting one. Um, I'm not against it though, but we do see races dominated now by power-ups and that causes debate in itself. Now they stick a rocket under riders, literally. That's where mm. the debate's coming from. It's going to change things. It's not, if, if we saw, let's just say, the end of Milan San Remo head-to-head, the two strongest riders, and then Peter Sagan drops an e-bike power-up, no one's going to watch that. Like, to be honest, that's is that where it's going or is it more for the game side? I know Zwift can be both. Um I've got a foot in both camps. I'm not sure this was what we're after. It's really interesting you should say that. I mean, without a doubt, it's kind of controversial. It's probably the most controversial thing um, that Zwift has introduced for, for like ever, actually, almost. I mean, because, as you say, it is relatively complex. Although it looks complex on paper, it seems to me to be one of those things that actually once you've thrown a leg over over over, over a saddle and, and done it in a race, it it probably is not as complicated as it as it sounds, um, but yeah, it's definitely very, very, very interesting. And probably shouldn't talk about it much longer because people who would who haven't got access to Club Jarvis will will no doubt find this entire conversation extremely frustrating. But having said that, to have a space where something like this can be thoroughly tested by Zwifters who really know what they're doing and have been around on the platform for a long time. I do think that is a good move. I really do think that's a good move. Um, it does shut some people out, but it might mean that the product that comes out of it in the end will be thoroughly, thoroughly tested and tweaked and tuned, and that can only be a good thing. Okay, well, one massively positive thing that was contained, oddly enough, actually, only in the release notes for the iOS and Android um, update, was that cone sandbaggers are going to be removed from race results. Hip, hip. Hooray, and much rejoicing across the land, plus some tightening of the sandbagging criteria. I think the, the verdict was it definitely been too lax in the first version. Uh, Nathan, taking sandbaggers out of results, that's just such a good step, and it should increase the pressure on them not to do that thing that everybody finds annoying, which is sandbagging. Yeah, just take away your cake. I mean, you can't have your cake. <laughs> like, like, you're gone, bye. Like, Because, I mean, they come across the line, they're like, what the heck? I, I, I won. And no, you didn't. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. you know, that's because the communication at the end of the race is that you won the race. Oh, look, I have first place. And there's some sort of like. What is a reward? You know, a reward for know. bad behavior. Yeah. 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 You have yeah, this reward. Yeah. You have exactly. And people yeah, think yeah. that they've won a race and just removal and having that removal up front that's on screen by Zwift and not just on, on Zwift power where they can just ignore it or they don't even know what power exists or whatever, you know? So yeah, it's great. I like to see that hundred yeah. uh, percent. And also I think the people who are in the race are going to uh, feel a lot better about letting that person go at the start uh i'm sure you'd care to add your highly valued endorsement to to that move yeah for sure it's again talking about debates and people raging uh that's that's probably the biggest one sandbaggers and the issue around that so to have some sort of official uh filtering of those results would be a good thing what it's all about is just the new people coming on board i think that's what they expect anyway so to be able to have that there um and people have a, a fairer race um mightn't be equal but it should be fairer um it's a good thing 
Okay, well, let's move on to the Tour for All, um, a very, very laudable initiative launched by Zwift um, uh, involving a, a very large donation to, to charity. So let's bring Steve Beckett from Zwift back in. Uh, pretty much his every waking hour over the past weeks has been spent getting this huge project together. Steve, Tour for All, uh, we probably should have talked about it earlier, uh, but we're going to talk about it properly now. $125,000, possibly rising as high as $250,000, quarter of a million bucks. I mean, that's a hugely generous gesture. How did you choose Médecins Sans Frontières as, as the beneficiary? Um, I think it's because it's global and it's very accountable in terms of how your money goes into frontline services. And so Médecins Sans Frontières have got a COVID-19 Fund and although all the, the donations go via their US office, it's going to be distributed uh, globally. So I think it's a charity that we all felt good about at Swift, and hopefully our community do as well. Yeah, I mean it's very, very, very difficult to feel anything other than amazingly warm towards that charity. They do some absolutely outstanding work. Um, the participation of the of the pro teams that looks to me uh, as though it's involved a huge amount of work behind the scenes. And then there's the whole broadcast piece with with Eurosport and GCN. I mean, this must have completely dominated your life over the last few weeks. Yeah, dominated it in a, in a good way, and certainly on a professional sense. I mean, my wife might think differently, but I think um, it's something that the whole company's rallied around. Um, and Eric called me about five weeks ago and he said, you know, now's the time to get the, the proteins racing on Swift, and you know we know Eric has uh, been a real protagonist in the in the esports and the esports discussions. But for me, as I like taking a step back, it's it's recognizing that there isn't any sport on on TV, and that I for one miss watching sport. It's it's thinking of big moments in our lifetimes that you and I will remember, like Live Aid, and thinking if Swift could do a a little version in these times, what would we do? And I guess on the face of it, it's like taking a lead from these amazing events that you see in the sports and in the in the in the world of sports and art and how you glue together broadcast television like AAA talent the general public to create um, you know charitable fundraising event you know the cherry on top of the cake that we're that we're baking is this this broadcast offering and it's amazing to think that Eurosport and GCN or Eurosport specifically would open up their purpose built olympic studio in paris for this event and a non-commercial deal with them, with a non-commercial deal with the teams to really rally around and support a charitable fundraising initiative. And, you know, we'll get to that quarter of a million pretty quick in terms of a quarter of a million Zwifters completing one stage of the tour for all. I'm, conf I'm confident of that. I think we went through 40,000 in, you know, in our first day yesterday. It's a terrific endeavour, and, and I don't think anyone should under underestimate how, how difficult it was to put together. And perhaps a mark of that, and, and I don't want to be carping here, Steve, I really don't, but I just do think it's a question that listeners would expect me to ask. It's, it's fab to see so many pro teams, so many big names, huge names. I mean, you know, the biggest names in world cycling are involved in this event. But some people, probably me included, would be just a fraction surprised to see no Ineos, particularly given the kind of huge success of that Ineos weekend. I mean, I'm not asking you to breach confidence, but but kind of why why has that not not happened? If you if you follow uh, the people who work at Team Ineos, um, Tim Carrison, their high performance coach, their DSs, their riders, you'll find that they're probably riding Swift uh, more than any other team at the moment. And the reason why they're doing it is they're using it for their their own means at the moment after 
the Ineos e-race day and we're talking to them about doing more stuff. The, the, the really amazing thing that Ineos are doing at the minute is that is converting their factories to produce hand sanitizer. And this is, you know, from a from a corporate social responsibility point of view, they're very much engaged with this and playing their part to, to yeah, for COVID-19 relief. So, you know, to be fair, those guys have been super, super, super busy. Uh, and But you might see a, a bit more from Ineos on Zwift in the next few weeks in a more public setting. So just keep an eye out for that. Okay. I'm not going to ask you any more on that because I know you won't tell me. But so, you know, it's just a not this time, but we'll be back with something else. Uh, yeah, I think people are probably pretty pleased to see that. Without sounding like an Ineos fanboy, it just, you know, it seemed like there were a bit of a big miss from the tour for all, but they're going to do something else. So that's that's good news for Ineos fans. Steve, one thing we have seen during the crisis is other platforms, and you've, you've already referred to it, latching on to, to digital racing. Do you think Swift's going to have to work a bit harder now to kind of establish or maintain the preeminence you had in this area? I think so, yeah. I, mean, I think competition's really good. Um, I think it's I think it's some of the things that Ruby and uh, Beacon have done are actually really, really good. Some you know some stuff that we don't have, for instance, in terms of how it transposes to broadcast race coverage. But as far as um, uh, building a platform that's an MMO, we, you know, we're we're some way way ahead of uh, other other offerings there. But I think the it goes without saying that you know Zwift isn't in the business of recreating like for like worlds, which actually you know Be Cool and Ruby can do in terms of the Tour de Swift for Ruby and and the Ronde van Vlaanderen or Tour of Flanders for for Be, for Be Cool. So hats off to them. But really, the, you know, the, the race organisers particularly, so the Flanders Classics Group and uh, IMG and the Tour de Swift for for thinking innovatively about how they can still bring those events to life. And for, for me, as a fan of cycling, you know, I tuned in to watch those events. And, um, you know, credit to everybody who was involved, involved in those events. I mean, I think everybody probably welcomes competition. Steve, I, uh, I've not got through my entire list of questions, but I'm keeping a close eye on the clock because I know, I know I've already kept you a long time. So I am going to get this one in because I do think it's important as the final question. Probably... In coming weeks, we'll probably end up seeing less of the pros on on Zwift as 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 they move outside. We all hope a lot of them will come back, and I'm, I'm sure, based on some on, on what you said during this chat, some of them will. But that, of course, will leave community racing uh, on the platform as it's always been. How do you see the balance, the future balance between the attention and the resource you're willing to devote to community versus pro? racing are you still going to support promote resource develop community racing in the same way you did uh i think i think more so i'm really glad you asked this question um and personally i'm I'm taking more of a front seat role on this now first of all how do we do a better job in streaming nathan guerra dave toll on zwift community live how do we bring them more into the fold how do we localize streaming like what's our plan in germany france italy japan um then on a community level, like if, if the whole point of esports, so if an objective of esports is to make Zwift more famous and therefore drive more bottom line subscribers, what we are promoting needs to be an everyday consumer product. Sport is about clubs and teams and leagues and formats. And at the moment, we cannot finish a broadcast on Zwift and say, for more information on racing on Zwift, go to Zwift.com. You know, find out how to Zwift, join a team, join a league. And this, so there's a very, you know, big hole, I think, in our product proposition there. And it's, it should be on Zwift to commit to investing 
in that ecosystem. Because like I say, it's, it's a futile exercise to put this on broadcast television and promote a product if you at home can't discover how to do it on, on web yeah, and actually join a team and do it at home. And, uh, you know, when I talk about broadcasting being the cherry on, on, on the cake, you know, the, the, the cake we need to build is this whole community racing aspect. So in the short term, more focus on, uh, on streaming and then building that product and customer journey around gluing together clubs and teams and leagues and formats. Um, I'm really turning up the volume uh, at the minute internally or uh, as, as, a, as, a, as a team, we're turning up the volume on the, the, the need to cater more to the community. And I think that the genesis of this lies within club functionality and self-servicing tools. And it's going to take us a long while to get there. We're not going to get there this, this winter. I think it's just that Zwift needs to be on, on the hook to demonstrate incremental and sustainable uh, changes or improvements in the product to put the, you know, a sufficient degree of faith in our community that we believe, you know, we believe that this is important. So I think, you know, by all means, give me a call in, in five months, ask me the question, replay the interview and let's see what happens. <laughs> You've left the door open there, Steve, I have to tell you, but a lot of people will be very pleased to hear that the, uh, the world tour pros have not turned your head and, uh, to the neglect of, of, of community racing. I'm sure a lot of people will, will welcome those sentiments. Thanks so much for all your time tonight and uh, enjoy the tour for all. I will be riding as many stages as I can. Thanks, Steve. Thank you, Simon. Okay, well, the tour for all, you know, again, credit where it's due, $125,000, possibly rising to a quarter million, pretty much definitely, Steve thought. That is a really, really generous do- donation, and let's hope enough Swifters do take part to get it up to the max. Are we taking part, boys? Um, as previously mentioned, I, I now have some freedom to go outside, and much as I have loved Swift during lockdown... I really will be exercising that freedom as as much as I possibly can, uh, but I am going to 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 try to to, to finish the tour. Shane, Shane, one for you. I uh, might be leading some of the group rides for the Aussie time zones. So okay. I'm just trying to work out the calendar for the moment. So yeah, I'll be in, involved in a few of those. It does look well attended, the whole result, but not quite the numbers we saw for Tour of Robotopia. And probably because of the reason you said this, I mean, a few of us can now escape outside and get mm-hmm. some rides in. The weather, regardless of where we are, the weather is getting better in most of where Zwifters live. It's still not too bad here. I was out in the sunshine today rather than be online. But if I was indoors, it would have been one of those events. They're, uh, they're a good way to clock up the kilometres in those bunches. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm approaching level 43, boys. I thought you ought to know. Uh, slowly. <laughs> My God, those levels. Those levels between 40 and 50 are a nightmare. You know, Nathan, no, no, wait. It's, it's so long that Nathan and I got to level 50. Nathan, can you remember that? We, we were in Nathan's, I think, when we were level 50. It was That was so long ago. Do you Catch remember up, when Simon, they brought? On. Well, do you remember when they brought that level fifty thing <laughs> that in? That was controversial. There we go. Yeah, because we all got dropped back to one hundred and twenty-five thousand XP points because I just made five hundred thousand XP to get me to level fifty, and then I dropped back, and I then we still... had the acceleration forward. Ah, 
I'm, no, still, getting scammed. I'm still getting scammed on the level 50 opening up. I don't want to hear about nothing here because I look at people's drops that have like, you know, people who have like 15 million drops. And I'm like, you don't even know how many drops I should have. Where's my drops? I'm still, how you don't have more drops than me. I've dropped more sweat on this game than you will have in a lifetime. You know, like. No, but I think I've messed up. I think I've messed up here. You know, like I messed up with the Tron bike. I, I, you know, I just never registered for it, you know. Uh, I should have had about 20 Tron bikes by Wait, now. you don't I'm even like, have a Tron bike? No, because I didn't do that thing. <laughs> no. Well, I didn't do that thing, did I? Do you have your Valentine's? What is going on here? Well, no, but you know that button you had to press to register for the damn thing. I never did that, did I? So, and I can't Are you even that. a Zwifter? Come on. Have you? How many times have you been ever very intense? Are you from Ohio? Come on. Uh, well, I think what I've oh, begun man. to realize is that I'm actually not very good at Zwift. <laughs> I'm not very good right. at playing the game. I, you know, you know I have I mean. this new 50-year-old client who really needs to get into the game. I could help you. <laughs> we can help you with this. I mean, well, what's this? What's this? Help the aged. God <laughs> Anyway, listen, the point I was going to make, uh, you know, and also because I'm not very good at the game, as, I've, as I think we've just proved, that wasn't there a point when they brought Level 50 in where you could press a button, a bit like boost mode, if I remember right, you could press a button that said, you know, I can accelerate the levels between 40 and 50. I don't think I did that. Yeah, you, get, you got eight by uh, XP points, which yeah. was being picked up nonstop because I clicked on yes. I'm like, hell yes. Did you, my, I want them did back. You, you didn't reject it, did you, Simon? I think I might have done. Did you even have level 25 when they released <laughs> Yes, I, yes, I did. <laughs> Come on, I'm not that bad at the game. He still can't get into the jungle. He's not even level 12 yet. <laughs> oh, man. No, 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 no. Simon, I, I we're going to do, we're going to have like new meetups, training Simon. <laughs> Instead of the pacing Monica achievement where we all are getting our badges, we're going to do the helping Simon <laughs> meetups. Oh, yeah, well, you know, I might need some help. I might need some help. <laughs> I, I, well, the thing is, I mean, I do, you know, it's my Zwift. I go on and do the things on Zwift I like doing, I think that's the point. And and sometimes my focus can be a little narrow, perhaps. But anyway, there we go. So anyway, yes, I will be doing the talk. Well, Nathan, I'm sure you'll be doing it. Yeah, I'll definitely be jumping in. Um, it's great to have these extra events for motivation to, you know, and, and uh, it's a cause always is great and lots of people behind it. Uh, so Definitely going to be watching out for for one to jump into and uh, show the support, get as many people, get the word out too. That's also something. I stream most of my rides, so letting people know what's happening with it is always cool as people enjoy that. So, Yeah. Okay. Well, just quickly on the, on the, on the, uh, the, the last thing that Steve said um, about uh, really getting behind community racing. I mean, I thought it was very revealing when he said – you know, so somebody new can watch a Swift race on Eurosport, for example, and there's nowhere they can go that says, okay, if you want to start racing on Swift, this is what you do. You know, you can join this club and that would get you into that league. And then if you get any better, you'd get you'd, you'd progress up that league. That, that, that whole infrastructure just does not happen. And I think he described it as a huge hole in the product. He's absolutely right, Shane. 
Yeah, look, we see the onboarding process just for getting on and turning a pedal for the first time on Zwift can be quite complex. And in the racing side of things, getting into all of that, we need to break down the barriers and just make it easy for people because once they're on and racing and you give them things like boost mode, as we saw with Nathan, they love it. And they, uh, yeah, it really gets people on board. So I'm all for it. Nathan, music to your ears, I would have thought. Steve's really, really throwing his weight behind behind streaming. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, I'm really glad to hear it and uh you know, there's um, there's a reason why, Z, why you know, it's not Zwift Live when it first launched. It was Zwift Community Live. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so the focus has always been from the get-go is uh, cheering on people to um, create this space that people could aim at at a higher and higher, higher level of, of, of racing. And in my opinion, racing has always kind of been about bettering yourself amongst your competitors and your peers to see how what you can achieve. And I think the heartbeat from a like the philosophy of what racing is about really at the end of the day is that to have an aim at how good can you get how yeah. how well can you compete and we have to have or, or even how, you, how do you start how you know how do, well, you, how do you start but, yeah, yeah. And, and how do you but but to that now when you said two things there you said how do you start but then you said how do you get into it and what is the it though that you're getting into mm-hmm. i think is the communication that the hub that's lacking that is the organization about what the it is yeah. that organizes where people stand and how you get better and so yeah i mean um Zwift Community Live, there's also, I mean, that, that transfers really well to Zwift Community League. So I don't know. It's interesting to see there. So <laughs> well, we'll see how you know, I, mean, I, I honestly think those are the things that are, that are in Steve's mind. I really, really do. Want to watch, for sure. Maybe you'll be getting an email soon, Nathan. Okay, just a couple of bits to uh, hoover up before we finish. Shane, there's no draft on Ruby. I mean, so much WTFery as people, including me, discovered this on those on the digital Swiss Five broadcastings. I, you know, I generally hadn't realised there was no draft on Ruby. Yeah, how about that? I'm, I'm keen to know who else knew about uh, Ruby not having the draft because what the race was, you know, what was broadcast worldwide. It was a series of individual time trials held time at trial. the same time. That's not yeah. what professional road racing is. That's what we were sold. So I'm interested you know, to know how they chose to go with that platform that doesn't present pro cycling as we know it in a bunch. If it was presented as individual time trials, sure. But let's be honest, even though I love a time trial, who the hell watches time trials? Um, <laughs> I that, That's a glaring omission. That's a glaring omission from a, from a digital platform. Hmm. Yeah. Hey, now, Shane, one of our most successful YouTube live streams recently was the WTRL TTT. So, um, but data, 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 we're, 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 we're trying to get that down as best as we can for you there. Nathan, I'm afraid to say, you know, my blanket assertion, a couple of episodes that no one likes jazz. Uh, you know, I, I, I apply the same thing to certainly individual time trials. Nobody likes watching individual team trials. And now I would make it an exception for team time trials, Shane. I think they're great to watch. I mean, poetry in motion. I love a good team time trial. Yeah, but to race one is such a different thing than to watch one. Uh, a lot of sport yeah. you can watch and know what it's like to be part of it, but a team time trial, you don't realize that you think being on the front is the hardest place to be. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's swinging off and then coming back into the pace line. If you don't mm. time that right, you're in for a world of pain. I'm yeah. keen to see something like that on Zwift, but I don't think we're quite there yet with the physics and dynamics. We need the ability to swing off into the you know, into the wind and then drift back and then have a person choose to be on front, not the algorithm choose you to be 
this. Maybe we just need to add boost mode to it and then we'll be good to go. Well, I think if you really, if you really <laughs> dialed in boost mode, actually, you could, you could probably make some kind of seam time trial thing work, but oh. you'd probably need about 25 pages of mathematical calculations <laughs> to, uh, to work it out and some kind of extremely complicated team sheet for people to follow. But hey, we could have fun doing it. Anyway. I've never done a team time trial, by the way. So Lama's That's way more experienced on this than me. You don't, want to, do the, you don't want to do the one. Oh, my God. They hurt yeah. so much. They are They're because really in a time trial, you choose your own pace, and that's like right on the limit. And you, if you can draw within yourself, a good time trial will know this. You know, you're right on the limit, and it's it's a fine art of just can I go harder? No. Can I go slower? No. I've got to go hard. Like it's just that in a team time trial, it's it's the team's pace. You've got to be so in tune with everyone, and you can't really hear because you've got the helmets on, you've got the discs whirring, yeah. it's noisy, it's windy, and you've got to perform for the team. And if you don't, you've let them down. So it's this, cannot let that account, go. this accountability that is yeah. – and you see it in the yeah. pro tours. Again, just sorry to go off on a rabbit hole of pro tour racing. You see it when the person gets dropped off and in a team time trial and they're fighting so hard. They're fighting like they've never fought before. And there's no way in hell they're getting back on. You know they're in a world of pain. If the director sport is in their ear yelling, 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 it's a bit of theatre to watch. Yeah. <laughs> Digitally, yeah, yeah. that would be no, interesting I, to see yeah. on Zwift. I love a good team time trial. Uh, okay, boys, that's it. That's it. Nathan, last chance. Anything to hoover up from you before we go? Oh, I mean, uh, there's a lot going on. I mean, where do you want me to start? <laughs> well, <laughs> why don't you just make it easy and say tune in to ZCL? Yeah, I mean, tune in to ZCL. We've got the, you know, according to the llama, something that should never happen on Thursday. So just, you know, okay, no. What, an individual time trial? Uh, no, we have, no, we have, we actually, no, no, just kidding. <laughs> we have the team time trial on Thursday. Today we have USA Cycling Series. There's talk of more um, pro t- uh, Conti team stuff like Redlands this weekend with women's race coming in and there's, there's just a lot going down, lots and lots. So yeah, tune in. Uh, we're li- the schedule's being released every Monday now, which is really great that we've uh, got some support there and uh, we're just having lots of fun with all of the all the broadcasts. So, very great. Okay, I've got to go. I'll be live with Boost Mode on Thursday on my personal channel. There we go. There's <laughs> the, there's something that's different. That's something okay. that's a little bit different. You want to do Boost Mode? Let's jump in old school. Uh, actually, the 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 group. It was so funny when we got into the pens. It was like my picture from old Jarvis Islands. I recognized every name. And was like, mm. oh my gosh, this is yeah. like all the people I was riding with on Jarvis. This is crazy. All that's what pen- Eric. That's what Eric Slangy said on a very nice piece he's written on on Zwift Insider. I'm I miss that ride. I yeah, obviously because I'm not very good at the game. You know, I'm <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm going away now because I've got I've got I've got some leveling up to do. Uh, so I better <laughs> I better go spend some time doing it. Uh, always a pleasure, boys. Thanks very much indeed. Talk to you next week. Thank you. Goodbye. Cheers, guys. Goodbye. Bye. And that's that for episode 85. Hope you enjoyed listening. Just the usual reminder that while Zwift support the podcast, for which we are very grateful, they don't dictate what goes in. We do that. Thanks again for listening. See you next time.